Welcome to Sound of Truth Weekly Interview, where we have conversations with ordinary people to learn how our extraordinary God is at work in people's lives and in the world today. I'm your host, Brett Morani, and I'm excited you've joined us. My friend Tim Wheat returns to Sound of Truth podcast this week, and I'm excited about what we're going to talk about, Tim. Welcome back, by the way. Well, thanks, man. I uh, appreciate you having me back and always enjoy catching up, and visiting with you and uh, hearing what's going on and then sharing uh, a few thoughts that uh, things that have happened in my own life, too. So thank you. So, Tim, you know, I'm pretty excited a month, less than a month ago. Uh, the Lord seems to have done a special work on the campus of Asbury University. We're calling it the Asbury Revival. Some are referring to it as the Asbury Outpouring. And I've already interviewed one of my friends, Chris Keithley, on the podcast here a few episodes ago about his experience traveling from East Tennessee up to Wilmore, Kentucky to be not just an observer, but a participant, if you will, by going there and worshiping the Lord on on the campus there and in the chapel with his daughter and one of her friends, high school aged. He, He took them up there, so... Which, by the way, was kind of a clever thing to do. It got him moved to the front of the line as the chaperone of a couple of young young people because they were prioritizing young people. But uh, he went, I believe, on Friday before the final weekend that the public was allowed to go. And so, you know, it was great hearing his perspective on that. You went up there, and I'd like to talk to you about it and, and hear about your experience. W- when did you go, and what motivated you to go, and... Let's start with that. What yeah. motivated you to go, and, and how did you kind of work out, okay, yeah, I'm going? And did you go with somebody? Yeah. Well, hey, uh, man, thanks again for, for letting me kind of rethink through all of this. But I'll say it was a, a spontaneous decision, first of all. So I went up on the mm, Friday, which was the, like the 10th day, I believe, of what was happening there. And I had not made that decision until the day before. Uh, I'm about six hours away, something like that, from it, uh, drive-wise. So I'd already decided that, if nothing else, I was going to drive it up there and um, and then drive it back. But I actually talked to my supervisor, uh, one of my leaders, and they agreed that it would be probably a great experience for me to kind of at least, again, participate in. So I, uh, I'm, I've got a flight and uh, flew up there on the Friday. I arrived in... Uh, Wilmore about 9:30 p.m. I'm assuming so you, you flew talk. from Birmingham to Lexington. Is that what you did? Did yes. Okay. Uh huh. And so, sell uh, uh, that just because of what you said about your friend there. But I, I showed up about 9:30. That particular a cold that particular Friday a cold front had come through. It was 30 degrees outside. Mm. And uh, when I walked up, when I finally parked my car and kind of drove by the school, there's at least 400 people in line. Mm-hmm. And it was a long line. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. So uh, I walked up after I parked my car to a different from a different location and just walked to the front just to see what it was all about. And I noticed there was a shorter line and they were they were moving in, you know, pretty easily. So I just got in that line and stood there and had my hoodie on and everything. <laughs> I found out later that that was the college line. <laughs> and so... Uh, <laughs> So I got in in about 15 minutes and I, I, I felt bad for the people who'd been outside for an hour plus, you know, but uh, I was thankful to get in. So did security uh, or anything make eye contact with you and didn't say, dude, uh, you're kind of old to be a college student? Yeah, I just had my hoodie up and over my head, you know, and then 
staying with my jacket warm and everything. So it's like, they just said, okay, all right, we need, we need four more. Okay. All right. We, yeah. So I walked on in with a group and, um, made my way upstairs and they were super hospitable. I will say that they had a good, by that time had a good system of folks who were serving and moving folks and helping them find seats and everything. So it was really, really such a positive experience. So, um, yeah, so that, I'll leave it there until uh, unless you want to just unpack everything from there. Okay, uh, let, was, let me was, just ask you first impressions when you walked in. And, and what, let me no, let me back up just a tad. What were you expecting? I, I assume you've probably you'd already probably seen a few videos of what was going on. Yeah, but what were you expecting right. before yeah, you went? I, in? Was, I, uh, I had read from a good friend something he wrote about somebody said, hey, go in with no expectations. So the only expectation that I really walked in there with was it was going to be a packed room. Mm -hmm. I purposely was not trying to go in with an anticipation of what I was, quote, going to experience. So uh, I just really went in to observe, more or less, than I was thinking, I'm going to experience something here. Now, I went. The, the purpose behind me there, uh, behind me going there, was the fact that I wanted to be able to say, didn't know how long this was going to last, but we knew that it had made a mark. I mean, it had already been going 10 days. Mm-hmm. And uh, people, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of people had come through the doors. And there were two other venues on the campus that were also hosting a feed mm-hmm. for people to get in. I went into the auditorium where it originated from, but I just wanted to be able to say, Yep, I was there. That was, uh, I experienced it or I saw it, but I, I didn't go in with the expectation that something, you know, this was for me. Right. I went into, or, yeah. So what was your first impression when you, when you went, were, were people sit, seated or were they standing at that point? Was there music going on at that point or was there a speaker there up there? Was, what was going on when you walked in? There, yeah, primarily when I walked in at that point, there was somebody on the stage, uh, the platform, and they were talking. Uh, it was uh, a young lady and she was talking. Honestly, I was trying to find my way to a seat and I was taking everything in. I didn't, didn't really zone in or tune in to all that she was saying. I didn't lock in. And I was just, I was You're scanning the room at this point. I am. I'm taking note of the, the variety of, of uh, the diversity of people, young and old, you know, the ethnicities of people, uh, you know, just, I was scanning the room, so honestly, I didn't, I didn't lock in and you know, kind of uh, tune into what she was saying. But she didn't speak very long—five to eight, seven minutes or so. Now, to and that, then, if I could just interrupt and ask you to the to the point of your taking note of the the composition of the congregation, if you will, did you find diversity? A lot of ages, uh, a lot of ethnic groups, or was it yeah, know, one, I, one uh, demographic largely? They they seated me on the on the bottom floor and uh, or on the floor itself. I guess I, I didn't want to be there. I wanted to be in the balcony. So uh, I I had a limited view down at the floor, uh, but I could still see that there was a diversity of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I finally just leaned over and asked them, one of the ladies in the aisle there that was helping people find the seat. I said, "Can I go upstairs?" She said, Absolutely. So she walked me up there, and I found this the seat on the very front edge of the balcony. And I I got to see the view of the roof. Mm -hmm. And um, it was primarily 20 something, 20 to 30 somethings, I would say. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there were just to the left of me, there was about 
a group of 10 to 12, and they had to be between the ages of 10 and 16. I can definitely tell they were still in high school or middle school. And yet uh, there was also some gray hairs and some blue hairs and some bald heads there. So there was a, a good mix of folks. I engaged the, the group around me at one point in a transition time, and they were from uh, college. The three of those right around me came from a college in Virginia. So they had made the road trip there. And uh, as I understand it, you know, there was a, a number of different college students from different universities that had made their way there in the, you know, in the past 10 days. Mm-hmm. Okay. About what time did you say you entered? I got in uh, about 945 or so. Okay. And, then, and so how long did you stay? Uh, I left at 1 a.m. Whoa. Uh, the room, every, every hour-ish, like about 10-ish and 11-ish, you know. Not it wasn't scheduled, but uh, there would be somebody who would who would get up and just say something to the effect of, "Hey, there's still some people outside. We want you to stay as long as you want, but if you have felt like you've gotten what you need, we want you to leave because we actually want you to go back to your schools or your churches and share what you're experienced here, and it makes room for people to to move in, mm-hmm. and so. Um, at one o'clock, initially, I thought that they were going to kind of shut it down at one. And then uh, about midnight or so, they said, uh, we're going to be here at least till two. Uh, and we've opened up another venue that after 2 a.m. right behind us here, uh, we're going to just move everybody into that venue. But at one is when I left. And when I left, it was 28 degrees now by that time outside. And there were still uh, about 100 or so folks in line. And then I passed another 20 or 30 that were walking up to the auditorium to join that group. So, Okay, now I, I think I got a little confused. When you said 9.45, you, you entered at 9.45 p.m. That's correct, okay. yeah. I thought you went yeah. from 9.45 a.m. to 1 in the morning straight at first. So, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> no, uh, All right. Sorry, yeah, it was it was up. Yeah. I had a friend uh, that lived in Wilmore. In fact, her husband used to be on staff there at Asbury. And so I contacted them and asked, okay, I know that they're not letting everybody in, so forth. And it was her recommendation. She said, come after 8 p.m. and maybe even later, but better. That's the reason I purposely didn't get there until 9.30 that night. Okay, gotcha. So They were giving priority to the college students who were coming in. Rightly so. Some of those folks, in fact, uh, you know, said more than once, hey, the Holy Spirit's outside, too. They had a big screen set up outside so you could still see and hear what was going on in the auditorium. Mm -hmm. But it it was like, the Holy Spirit's outside, too. And there's great conversations and meaningful experiences outside, you know. And there's a lot of folks who've been there for hours and never made their way into the auditorium. It's amazing to me how many people I have found on social media that have been critical of this in a Mm -hmm. negative way. Unfortunately, what was interesting also that goes along along with that, they are criticizing and taking shots from a distance. And they, yeah. I, I even saw a friend of mine send a video of somebody who was saying it was a false revival and giving his reasons why, which, by the way, were ridiculous reasons. Yeah. But he started off and kind of put a disclaimer. Now, I know people have criticized me that I've not even been there and here I am criticizing it. But And they proceeded to say but why he could still criticize sure. from a distance. And, and I thought, dude. You know, yeah, it's pretty presumptuous, but yeah, I had a friend say, "Is this real or not?" and sent me that particular video, and I said, "Oh, that that guy's 
there's so many things wrong with what he's saying. But I said, from my perspective, I haven't been there either, but credible people that I know that are writing about this or reporting on this, it sounds to me like a wonderful move of the Holy Spirit. Was there anything yeah. at all that caused you to say this was contrived or to think, oh, this is just an emotional thing that's been worked up? Uh, the short answer is no. Uh, a little bit longer answer would be that I've been around. Hey, I, I, part of my past is a student camp. <laughs> I've done a, I've done my fair share of preaching at uh, at the beach and in camps and in the mountains and on retreats and things. And so and, you do uh, know, with that background, you do know the danger of hyped up emotionalism that can be that's, that's mistaken for that. a work of the Holy Spirit. Right. That's exactly where I was headed with that. Is to say so. I have been and probably even contributed to sometimes the emotionalism of certain experiences. Um, and, you know, that's a longer discussion about uh, manipulation or emotions or whatever. I'm not afraid of emotions. Uh, and sometimes emotions is what actually is a catalyst for certain experiences. But regardless of all that, I probably approached that, approached that wondering if that's what I was going to see. Mm-hmm. And no doubt that there is emotion there. But let me let me say it this way. I did not... Uh, it, sometimes when we share our testimony, our story of how we came to Christ, you know, we, we tell folks when we coach them, nobody can ever dispute your testimony. That's your story. Regardless of how weird or crazy or out of, you know, different than somebody else, that's your story. So own the story of how you became a, a follower of Jesus. So that's what I would say about my experience there is that, hey, it's my story. It may not be the way that you see it or the way that you relate to it uh, or your understanding of it, but I will say definitively that my experience there, once I kind of settled down and began to engage in what was happening there, it was a wonderful uh, experience with the Spirit. Mm. The Father was was glorified. Jesus was honored. And people were having an encounter with the Spirit that was meaningful and true and rich and beautiful to observe. Mm. And I was one of those. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I've seen the naysayers, and uh, I, I'm i not going to get on the bandwagon of challenging or arguing against them. I just say, you know, God, that was the experience, and I thank you that it's happened. And so for those who have experienced it, you know what's going on. And so we'll just we'll just uh, thank God that uh, that he's poured out his spirit, you know, in a way that so many people were, were reached by that. Amen. Praise be to his name. Yeah. I tell you what, it, I, I've just been thrilled with what I've seen coming out of there. And I'm not one who's uh, opposed to emotion. In fact, I think, how on earth can you experience the Lord and not have some emotion with that? We're emotional beings. We're created to be emotional. And while some were criticizing and mocking the kids, young people, my wife's been trying to correct me on this. (laughs) I look at college-age young adults now. Now I think of them at my age as kids, right? You're right. (laughs) These young adults excited about Jesus, excited about reading his word, excited about praying, seeming to be genuinely in a, a spirit of repentance over sins, and then rejoicing in the music and celebrating the Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, I've seen some videos of them, you know, jumping up and down and clapping, and, and there's, that's where some of the people get critical. And, and I'm like, 
yeah. you know, hey, praise the Lord. They could have been out doing this at a football game or someplace else or, or to some raunchy music at a terrible concert, you know, or something. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just cannot understand why someone can't rejoice when they see young people excited about Jesus. And so it thrills my heart deeply. Yeah. Hey, I, I, you know, I want to honor the time that you have uh, set aside for us to, uh, to talk through this. Um, and so I want to, th- there's a few thoughts, both from the standpoint of what I observed there that was creating this authentic experience. And then there's a few thoughts I have for my takeaways afterwards, if you don't mind me. Yes, please. Uh, I'll start by saying this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote somebody that I have the privilege of working with, and this is what they sent out um, in response to what you just said about the emotionalism. And it, it, the way they stated it was, hey, uh, I'm all for anything that has college students praying till 2 a.m. as opposed to partying till 2 a.m. And so uh, mm-hmm. I've, I've quoted that often saying, that's true. I mean, that's what was taking place. There were tons of students and other folks in there praying through the, the morning. And um, so, man, that's, that's a good thing. Amen. But um, so, hey, uh, this is not, I'm not uh, coming across as an expert. This is me. This is my story and my perspective of things. But there were three things that I felt like I was seeing take place that was uh, contributing to uh, the experience being authentic. And uh, as I've tried to process through all that, three things, and I'm going to use, even though some people don't want to call this a revival, uh, I'm not even really calling it a revival either, but the revival is sometimes symbolized by fire. So I'm going to use fire as my analogy. Okay. There's, three, there's three components that are critical or essential to have fire. You can't have fire without these three. And my analogy is that, first of all, there's got to be something that ignites it. There's got to be heat, like a spark. Mm -hmm. And what started this uh, movement and this awakening was the pure confession and repentance of a few students at the end of a chapel. Mm -hmm. So repentance and confession, where there was an authentic, sense of God, there's some things I got to confess to you. And so that, that was a little bit of the spark or the heat or the ignite, the, the ignition. Ignition. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then to have fire, you also have to have fuel. You got to have something that consumes uh, to keep it going. And here's what was most obvious. And I, I can't explain how it was obvious. So it might've been perceived or or sensed, but humility. Mm. There, there was a genuine sense of humility that was permeating that room from the people that were on the platform that might have been leading worship to the few folks who would step up and speak to try to give directions or encouragement uh, to where people who were in the audience or the congregation was a submission and surrender out of humility. And it, it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Right? It was. It's hard to uh, to explain it in a way that unless you were there, that you really uh, like, wow, this is what it means to be humble and fully surrendered. And then the, the third element of fire is oxygen. If you don't have oxygen, there is there might be a spark, but there's never going to be a flame. To me, the oxygen that keeps this alive uh, is the Holy Spirit. And that's the reason I said it's, it's a genuine, it's not emotionalism. It's not anything other than 
it started by some repentance and confession. There was a real sense of humility, and the Spirit just poured Himself out, and then more and more people came to experience what was taking place there. So that's my perspective on what I observed while I was there that has spilled over to so many other places now and created this wonderful experience that many people who went there were able to, uh, you know, say it's part of their story now. And then the, the last thing that I would say is, all right, my takeaways, and I'll make these really quick. And then if you want to ask, if you have time to ask more questions, then I can unpack some of them. But uh, the reason I say that I would say this is more of an awakening, an awareness of the work of God. Revival is something that's going to take place afterwards it, if, if it's really a move of God. So here's, here's five takeaways for me. First of all, it can come by anyone, anywhere. The guy who spoke in chapel, no criticism towards him, but he's not this eloquent, uh, gifted orator that, I mean, he was just a, a mm-hmm. good, solid guy who gave a good, solid talk that was empowered by the spirit and and whether he was expecting that or not god used anyone in wilmore kentucky oh my goodness i mean if you've never been there two stop you gotta town. Be, you got to be going there okay you got to be looking for it so god can can come by anyone anywhere uh, secondly uh, emotions are part of it but they were not the substance of it mm-hmm. and uh, so uh, enough said about that. Uh, Lori said it's not emotionalism. There was emotions displayed, but it was not the fuel. It was not the substance behind it. Thirdly, uh, the life of it. I said the oxygen, since the life of it came by the way of the Spirit, it comes and goes at His will. Yes. So John 3, right? Yeah. He poured Himself out, and He did that in other places around the country. There's been some some real movements of some things. But at the same time, he can also, I'll say, remove himself. Don't We don't have to try to think, oh, we got to keep this going. What happens when it doesn't have, you know, uh, continue? Well, it's the Spirit's work. Mm-hmm. So let him do his work when and how he wants to do that. The fourth would be uh, pray for it, but don't try to manufacture it. Right. That's, that's what... That's what we want to guard against. That's what the skeptics want to say. We we not to manufacture. We pray for it, and we wait for it. And if God so moves, we're thankful for that. If he doesn't, then we still pray for it and wait for it. Don't try to manufacture it. Mm-hmm. And then the fifth thing is that if it is a move of God, it's got to move from an experience uh, to, I'll use the word adventure. The other word came to mind was a journey. In other words, you can experience what happened at Asbury and some of those places around the country, but for it to be a real move of God, then you need to go on the journey with Him. That the discipleship should be an outcome of this, not just an experience that you reflect back on, but you're actually now walking in submission to the Spirit. You're following where the Spirit leads, and you're trying to bring some other people along to engage with the Spirit. And that's when it becomes a revival. Mm-hmm. Wonderful stuff. Well, Tim, it's been great having you on the podcast again, and you've given us some great thoughts about Asbury. And I know we're, I'm, I'm just blessed by you having been blessed by going mm-hmm. and, and you sharing that experience with us. And, you know, I think we would do well, like you said, that point, one of these last takeaways you had is that we, we cannot manufacture this, but boy, we pray for it. And yeah. so I want to just conclude with Isaiah chapter 64. 
Verse 1, oh, that you would rend the heavens, that you would come down, that the mountains might shake at your presence. Mm-hmm. I, I love that verse. And for me, it is a verse for a movement of God, an outpouring of the Spirit. I'm, of course, reading that verse now through New Covenant eyes. Mm-hmm. As I right. studied that in context, I think the prophet Isaiah was thinking more along the lines of come down and destroy our enemies. You know? <laughs> uh, but you know, I mm-hmm. think it's appropriate for us to, to pray that verse in light of the Great Commission, in light of the mm-hmm. day of Pentecost, in light of a, a history now through 2,000 years of plus of church history in which the Lord has had special seasons of outpourings. And then I think of the old hymn we used to sing that, that um, what was it, the, the showers of blessing. Mercy drops around us are falling, but for the showers we, we plea or we plead to the Lord. So mm-hmm. it's great when we have a little, little bit of a downpour like occurred, I believe, at Wilmer, uh, Kentucky. So. so I'm so grateful for that. And so not, not just because I experienced, that's selfish on my part. I'm just grateful to know Hey, that God is still at work. I mean, sometimes we look around and we see what's happening, quote, in the world, and we go, God, where are you? He is still at work in amazing ways. He just manifests himself in something that was incredible, and uh, and I'm thankful for that, which gives me hope to still be praying that he can do it in other times and other places, and I pray that he will. Amen to that. Would you do us this favor? I know this is being recorded, so I'm going to just ask our listeners to pray along with this. Would you just close us with a brief word of prayer and ask God to keep doing it and then do it again and again? Would love to. Love to. So, Father, I thank you that, uh, God, through this medium of technology, you allow us uh, to engage um, with one another in, uh, in a meaningful way, but we thank you that your spirit is here, even in the conversation. And in the days to come, the listeners of this. So, Father, our prayer would be that, that, Lord, we would recognize the areas of our life where we need to surrender and let go, that there's a real sense of repentance of God, that a turning away from and a turning to you, and that we humble ourselves and surrender to you. And we ask the Spirit, Father, would show up in powerful ways, not for our sake, but for your glory. I thank you for what you have done, what you are doing, and what you will do in the days, years, and uh, to come. And we pray, Father, that uh, you're again that you would just move in a miraculous way and bring as many people into a relationship with you through Jesus for your glory and for their good. So thanks again just for this time, uh, Father. Be glorified through it, um, Father. May this encourage and inspire all of us to lean in a little bit more, to walk a little closer to you, and to uh, to bring you glory to our lives. We love you, and we thank you for loving us now. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks, brother. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sound of Truth. If you enjoyed it, please rate and review it. Also, tell your friends about it. Thanks. Music is by Canon and is used by permission. Sound of Truth podcast is produced in collaboration with Harvest Jacksonville and is copyrighted by Brett Amorani, 2023.